The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sneakers and cleats. The podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers Cleats podcast. It is Monday, November sixth, episode forty-six. Don, Chuck, and I back and better than ever in our new area down here in the Arctic Tundra, which is Studio Thirty-Five. We are uh, all sitting on the same side of the table, so there's no need for Luis to use a switcher and switch us around on cameras and stuff like that today. You know why they call it Studio Thirty-Five? What? That's the temperature in here. <laughs> I was gonna say it's Studio Thirty Two below. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's it's that's why I'm wearing a jacket. You got you got Don in pants and a jacket. You're today. wearing shorts. I'm yeah. You know, it's fine. I got I'm wearing a t-shirt underneath. Everywhere else in this building, you can wear a t-shirt and shorts. And besides this room, it's freezing in here. But anyway, so we have uh, episode forty six after a pretty good weekend in in sports here for Texans. I mean. Not really if you're a Cowboys fan, but number 46, guys. I like your list. I got Andy Pettit comes to mind right off the bat. Mm -hmm. My favorite Andy Pettit story, 05, Pujols hits the jack against the Astros. And after he'd circled the bases, they had cutaways of guys in the dugout that were watching the at-bat because if the Astros get the out, then they're going to the World Series. Pujols hits the moonshot, and all you see is Andy Pettit's face go like this. (laughs) <laughs> he knew it at the just the sound that that thing was gone. It's still going. Well, they know they it's always know going. that. I feel, I feel like pitchers, as soon as you it leaves your hand, you're like, I hope he doesn't hit that. <laughs> and then as soon as the crack of the bat goes, you're like, oh, crap. was that like? Did they have those stat casts, exit velocities, and all that back then, and like tracked it? Because it's like, is there is there a chance it was a 500 footer? I don't know about that, but it would look like it was still going was up crazy. when it hit the back. 46. Okay, so these numbers are always time to educate young Matt. Mark <laughs> Washington. Who is Mark? Do you, do you watch the old NFL films, like old films, like Super Some Bowl? Some of them, yeah. Okay. I've watched all the Super Bowls. Okay, so you've seen Lynn Swan's famous catch on a post route in Super Bowl Ten, yeah. where he tips it, tips it, and tips it, and catches it at the ground in super slow motion. That's beating Mark Washington, who was covering him or trying to cover him on that. Yeah, play. attempting to cover him. <laughs> yeah, and then Swan has another one down the sideline, same Super Bowl. Uh, he was an All Pro for the Dallas Cowboys, number forty-six, Mark Washington. See every uh, check that off on our bingo card this week for uh, me being educated by Don Harris on a go. cowboy who I've never heard of. Um, I had down Andy Pettit. Obviously, he's one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. He got plenty of opportunities uh, with the Yankees. I have Herm Edwards down, who uh, is near and dear to my heart, at least. I love Herm. I've met him on several occasions since he was the ASU, coach over at ASU. Yeah. And he's just one of the nicest, friendliest people you'll ever meet. I'm not going to comment on how he destroyed the football program over there. But um, he's, as a person, he is just like one of one. He's amazing uh, uh, to talk to. You like just want to get a notepad anytime you're talking to him and just jot down things he's saying because it's just education uh, times a thousand. And then I have someone who I'm sure that Bob will be happy that I wrote down, Lou Groza. The toe. Lou Groza, who I didn't know played tackle 
and then converted to be a kicker. Um, and he was 46 early in his career, ended up, I think, at 76. But, you know, shout out to Bob. I know he's always sends me uh, Cleveland Browns to include into this list. So uh, we got a lot of things on tap. The Spurs fell last night to the Raptors after being up 22 points. The Texans may have found their Brady-Bill connection, maybe. CJ and, and uh, D'Amico Ryans. And then, first off, we have to talk about Dallas and Philly, though. So, Dallas loses by five last night, even though they had a uh, 1,000 opportunities to win that game. Uh, what did we learn about the Cowboys, guys? Uh, nothing. They're good. They may, not be, they may not be good enough, but they're good. They can compete in a crowded, uh, maybe not so crowded NFC East with San Francisco and Philadelphia and I don't know if anybody else, but Lions, uh, the the Lions, yeah, they're they may beat Philly at home. Um, if they have home field in the playoffs, they could go to the Super Bowl. If they don't, they'll probably lose in the second round. They won't. They're they're basically who as uh, wasn't that Herm? No, that was the Dennis Green. They, they are, are who, we thought, who they we thought they were. Yeah, I don't know. We let them off the hook. They did leave him off the hook yesterday. I mean, he got off to the great start. And then I think the disappointing thing is that they were unable to score a lot of touchdowns in the second half. And only, what, six points? One touchdown in the entire second half after playing really lights-out football in the entire first half. I was a little disappointed with the officiating on both sides yesterday. I think there were some critical moments, I think, that would have helped the Cowboys had they gotten a call or two. I mean, to me, one that nobody seemed to be making a big deal about was the fourth and eight where – Clearly, 18 was being held. They don't call it. The ball comes his way. You know, I know you could point to the other side, too. But when you're, when you're in a game like that and plays like that matter to determine the outcome of a game, I was just surprised with as many calls that they called, defensive interference calls, especially after that play, why that call wasn't made. Yeah, it seemed like they had every chance in the world to win that game. And they very clearly said that after the game that, wow, we're close. We're close. We're close. It's like, well, you've been close for 25 years. You're you're the same old Cowboys. In my opinion, you're the same Cowboys who are going to lose by a couple of inches, or you're going to make the crucial mistake, or you're going to have the, 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 the um, bad play calling at the end of the game or bad game management at the end of the game. It's just such a testament to who they are as a franchise right now. I agree. And, and, they're getting better in some areas. Like, they finally identified that they need to get C.D. Lamb more touches, and yep. he's getting those touches. The running games continues to be a problem. They're horrible. Uh, they can't – I mean, Tony Pollard's ineffective, I guess, would be the, the best way to put it. But here's the deal. Chuck and I were watching together. When they have the ball at the six with 27 seconds left about the last drive of the game right on the last drive of the game on a first and five first and five from the six and they go false start sack delay of game yep that's who they are yeah and the first and the third of those are on dak and mccarthy yes the false start. Well, well I guess that's on Tyron. That, that's on Tyron and whoever. The, well, but that's on, on lack of discipline. Too, yeah. That's on mental toughness, execution in the stretch, clutch execution, and that's just that's inexcusable, really. Because at with twenty seven seconds to go, at the six yard line, you have three plays, four plays, yeah, minimum, and you should you should get into the end zone there. Well, and you shouldn't be doing third and. 
your third down and goal technically almost from the third and 26. If you're at the six yard line, you can't end that drive at the 27 yard right, line. Right. Like it just, sure, you got 22 to CD on that last play, but you were never getting into the end zone. They put all 11 guys in the end zone pretty much and we're just like, fine, catch it in front of us, see what happens. Yeah. And the other side of that too is both of Philly's starting DBs were out because of little Knicks at the end of that drive too. So, I mean, you had it all right there, right? Yeah, Except yeah. you didn't execute it at the end. So well, what So what do we make of the post game then? What was said in the locker room before they met with the media to get everybody to have the same talking points of we're right there. This yep. is a great thing that happened today. We're not discouraged. We're encouraged. And we're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you. Like, I just don't understand why there was such a different tone in this game as opposed to when they got trounced against the Niners. Yeah. The, against the Niners, it was like the world is over. Like, the sky is falling. Everything was done. In this one, it was like, yeah, we didn't capitalize on the mistakes, but we're right there. There was Who cares there if was you're right there? <laughs> there was coordinated messaging coming out of the locker room from both what happened at the podium. So you think McCarthy or someone or some PR guys or something no, like no, that No, no, no. I think it has like, to come hey. from McCarthy or a player. It's either player-led or McCarthy. Like, hey, we got to believe this is a good thing. No, 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 no. And they all bought into it uh, because nobody said, man, we can't have those mistakes. Oh, we shot ourselves in the foot. They did say that. But it was like, we know we're right there. We're going to improve. Next time we're going to win. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Chuck, what, yeah, what mean, do you think I, about like how they were in the I locker room after that the game? I mean, that seems plausible that the messaging had to be succinct because, again, there's still half a season left to go, right? You can fold your tent. It's a difficult game to lose this time of year, but you've still got the rest of November and you still have the rest of December to kind of figure out who you are as a football team. And, yeah, they're right there, but I thought it was a little odd, too, just because – that was a tough way to lose a football yeah. game. And so I think it's easier if you're the team to make the concerted effort to say, hey, this is who we are. We're good. We're not going to fold the tent. There's a lot of good takeaways from this game. It sucks in the moment. All the things that they said, then to basically agree with what the entire internet is saying at this point, which is, hey, you've got to clean up some stuff at the end of games. This is where games are won and lost predominantly in the NFL week to week. I mean, every game's a one-score game, or the you know the percentages say that that's the case. So, you know, don't give anybody a reason to think that we're not all together and still going forward despite the tough losses. Because there's going to be some more along the way before we get to the end of the year. It's like... This was their this was their best chance to beat Philly and get and get back to number one in this division. Like Philly's off next week, and the Giant or and uh, the Cowboys have the Giants coming to town. You know they're going to win that game. The Giants can't get out of their own way, and they just lost their starting quarterback for the year. They have Tommy DeVito, or that might as well be Danny DeVito back there uh, playing Tony quarterback. Tony DeNono, DeNono, DeNono. Jesus. Um, so you like you, you know they're going. I have no idea what you're talking about half the time. That's just kind of how we. That's just kind of how we operate. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have to explain that one after the show. It takes too long. It's brilliant comedy act. All right, deal. Um, but you have like this was their best chance to try and win the division. They lost by five points to an injured quarterback. Who props to Jalen Hurts for coming back in that game. He his knee is messed up, and he's been hobbled pretty much all season. 
and he's coming out and playing lights out in the second half and still running it on third and twos and getting it to Devontae Smith in the back of the end zone. And so props to him. But this was your best chance, and you just blew it. because And you're going to come out in the locker room and say, oh, we're inches away. If Schoonmacher's knee isn't down on that fourth and one, that, oh, we're right in this game. Or it's just like, no, you're not that close because you haven't been that close for 25 years. And, and you're the and- same team. You're the same exact team. Yeah, they got to clean up the penalties. They got to get better in the running game. Uh, our boy Terrence Steele did not have a good game, giving up lots of sacks. Um, but yeah, I just think, I think the thing that's in their favor though is as tough as we've talked about uh, what their schedule is going forward. The Eagles have just a, as tough, or if not tough, they got a tougher gauntlet. schedule. Yeah, and so I think they're expecting for Philly to stump their toe a couple of times. And they may be right in the end. If they can win the Philly game at home and the Eagles stumble, like they, they got like who? the Giants have, they have to lose three games. The, the Eagles do their last one so of them to the Cowboys. So yes, they have to lose to the Cowboys. So their next five after the bye are or at uh, Kansas city. That's a losable game. That's a losable game. You're home to the bills, losable game. You're home to the Niners, losable game. You're at the Cowboys, losable game. And you're in uh, Seattle, losable game. The next three after that, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. They have to lose three out of the next five, and I don't think that Philly's going to lose three out of the next five, especially coming off the bye. I don't know. As you read that schedule, it makes it's very plausible. It's pl- yeah, and plus, they're going to get banged up along the way, just like every team does. And again, you don't know what the Cardinals are going to look like at the end of the year. I mean, how many <laughs> of the Cowboys going to lose? What's their schedule? The Giants, too. They have four of the next five at home. I know that, but they're they got Let me look they got at Miami, at Buffalo, Carolina's a win, but they could lose to the Dolphins. They're they're home to the cow or they're home to the Giants this week. W. Then they're at the Panthers. W W home to the Commanders on on uh, W uh, Thanksgiving. That's a W. Uh, we'll see. I think that's a W at least. They are uh, home to the Seahawks week after that. Eh, question mark. Then you have a ten days before your Eagles game. I think that's a win. Okay. In my, I think they went against the Eagles. That's just okay. Um, then you're in Buffalo. Losable don't know. game. You're in Miami. I don't know. Losable game. You're home to the Lions. I don't know. Losable game. And then you're at the Commanders. So they got three losable games. I got no, a lot got, of losable I mean, the, games. All those games they, are going to be they lost uber to the, competitive. Yeah. Even the Commanders game. I mean, they lost they, to the Cardinals. They're all these, losable games. <laughs> these division <laughs> games are they're wars. Yeah. So it's too early. You know, to the tell. Phillies got to play those teams too. So. We'll I see. mean, it's just it, it, we we do this every year, and we said it in the off season, Don. It's like they get you to buy in, and then they oh, yeah. crap all over themselves, and they did I it, and they're doing it again. Year. I'm guilty. I bought in this year. The I last... said I was never going to buy in again. And you I guys are again. You're writing the history of the National Football League per Jason Garrett. The day after every single game, yeah, they win true. next week. You'll be singing the exact opposite. I won't tune. be because because if they lose to the Giants, okay. like. Burn the franchise down like they can't lose to the Giants. So much football. Overreaction, knee jerk. That's what this show's about. So the last last two drives of the game, when they're down by five, and they have every opportunity in the world to uh, to win this game, they go turnover on downs because it was first and ten sack, second and seventeen at Philly's thirty eight sack. Then they gain 13 yards, and then they try and go for that fourth and eight that you were talking about and didn't get it. Maybe they didn't get a holding call, but two sacks shows a pretty big problem there. But you know what my bigger problem was than the holding call? Is that in three key plays down the stretch, 
he was targeting Jalen Tolbert instead of 88. Well, they showed the replays on the last one to Tolbert, and 88 was double covered. Yeah, I mean, I you guess. can take your chances. You can make the argument that the announcers did, which is I'm taking my chances with my best guy, and I get that too. But at some point, you got to trust other guys to yeah, make the play. Yeah, you got to run my, the offense the way it's designed. I my guess. point with that, though, is that they have a huge issue, and it's their five guys up front, and which is is different which is the one thing that's different from the previous years is that usually their offensive line is a strength yeah right now their offensive line is a detriment to this team we saw it at the beginning of the rams game we see it every week we saw it at the end of that game too where one Dak is taking sacks which is an issue however Dak played really well yesterday i think he did he played really well but if your offensive line is letting guys get to you, especially in the last two drives of the game where there was three sacks knock, knocking them out of field goal range or making a third and 23 or third and 26 or whatever the hell the one was at the end of the game. One, you can't take those sacks, but two, your offensive line is a huge issue. Yeah, I mean, and to your point, I mean, when's the last time they had a decent game running the football? They can't run the football. Yep. Tony Pollard is not that guy. He's not him. Well, I mean, again, it goes back to what you're saying up front, too. I think he could be that guy, but it's not like anybody's running the football well for them. But also, where was all this this all this all confidence coming into the season that they had so many good running backs and so many good uh, opportunities to get different guys involved? Where the hell's Rico Dowdle? Where the hell's Deuce Vaughn? Has Deuce Vaughn seen the field this season in the last five games? Good point. Good point. Like, where the hell are these guys where they were? They feel so confident about their running back room that they don't have to bring anyone in at the deadline? How many carries did they uh, did they run the football yesterday? Total carries. I know Pollard had 12. I can it's look not it enough. Right if you're going to win football games in the NFC East, you got to run the ball 25 times a game. They had 30, or no, sorry, 21 rushing attempts for 73 yards. Yeah, it's not, that's not going to get it done. Some no. of these are, Poly yeah. they've got a Parcel out the carries because they're trying not to get the guy hurt. They did that with Zeke a lot last year, too. I mean, you know, Pollard to 15 carries a game. Pollard had 12. Dak had six. Rico had two. Kamonte Turpin had one. I don't think Deuce Vaughn played a snap. Wow. Why is he on the team if you're not going to use him? You know what I mean? Like, where where's this other running back from? Tony Pollard is not that guy. Tony Pollard's not the 20 carry a game guy. We all know that. I think that that's pretty obvious. And it was obvious last year. I don't think he was coming into the season going to be a 20 carry a game guy. But where's the where's the guy that helps? Where's the where's guy, Rico? Where's the rookie in Detroit? That Jameer Gibbs. Man, <laughs> that dude. He that dude's a hoss. I mean, they need, they need, they need like a, well, they need a guy because I think Tony is like Jameer, but they need a David Montgomery. They need the guy that can go. I don't go know. And, Jameer's Jameer's thicker and more violent. I don't know. But they got they got a lot of issues. Last thing I had on this game is right now we're halfway through the season. Are the Cowboys a Super Bowl contender or are they not? Sure. They're two, yeah. they're two and a half games behind Philly in the division. They would need a lot of things to break their way to win that division still. Chuck, uh, if Uncle Chuck hasn't talked to you off the ledge yet in this podcast. He hasn't. You, yeah, of course <laughs> they are. I'm, off, I'm on the ledge. Of course they are. There's a long way to go, man. Long way to go. Yeah, right. I think they're a contender too. Would I take them over the Eagles or the Chiefs at this point? Absolutely not. But again... There's still half a season left to go. Well, we all know if they run into the Niners in the playoffs, they're going to lose. So uh, let's get to Wemby and the Spurs before Probably. we get to before <laughs> before we get to some other uh, uh, football related stuff. Want to talk some Wemby? So they collapsed last night against the Raptors. Um, I think they had an 18 point lead going into the fourth quarter, something like that, or in the fourth quarter. 22. Well, it was 22 at one point. Yeah. I think going into the fourth, they got outscored by like 15 in the fourth. Yeah. Um, 
This is the second game in a row the Spurs have been up big and then had to find something at the end of a game. Is that an issue? Is that, like, them trying to learn how to win? What is that? Because, like, I think against the Suns, they were up by 27 at one point. Then the Suns tied it at 116. Spurs ended up pulling that one off. And then last night it was – or yesterday afternoon, rather. It was the Raptors coming back from 22 down. OJ Anunoby going freaking wild from three-point range. And they ended up winning that game in overtime. Scotty Barnes is a really good player. Yeah. Uh Look, I don't. I don't think that it's, you know, not it's anything that doesn't happen to other teams. I mean, they came back from twenty down against Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and I don't uh, think Devin played that game. Uh, okay, Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns, who are going to probably be the favorite in the West. Uh, they're young. This is going to happen, and and this is what I've said. It's going to be a roller coaster in the regards that there's going to be nights individually from Wimby where he's going to be the talk of all those shows the next morning and he's the second coming of Wilt Chamberlain and then there's going to be days where he's a bust um, and people say that because of the nature of he's going to have an 8.2 rebound game and get in all kinds of foul trouble I think my takeaway is after 6-7 games whatever it is oh, he's ahead of schedule they're ahead of schedule they got to learn how to play Together, and they're learning game by game. Uh, the Sohan experiment is going to take some time, but it's a long season, and to me, it can't miss television. I can't take my eyes off this guy. And whether he's great or whether he's average, which he hasn't been much, um, he's so different than anything we've ever seen that he gives them a chance to win. And they're going to have a chance to win every game. The Toronto was a six and a half point favorite going to yesterday's game, and they destroyed Toronto through three quarters up twenty two. They were bullied and intimidated by their Raptors' defensive intensity in the fourth quarter. They're not used to that. Barnes abused Sohan in the fourth quarter. They didn't get Wimby the touches he needed uh, because they're not used to playing with him yet. But all is fine. It's not like Matt should be like he is on I'm the not, I mean, we're only say we're only six games into an 82-game stretch yeah. for the Spurs. I'm not worried about them yet. Yeah, but. and he's going to play a lot. I mean, I think I said this on an earlier podcast. I don't know where this notion of load management came for Wimby, but, you know, they're on our back-to-back tonight, and he's going to play. And this new rule of having to play 65 in order to be Rookie of the Year. Working. It's working for a lot more people than just Wimby. But he's also 19. We got used to Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony and all them sitting because they were 35, 40-year-old guys. He's 19. He wants to play. Unless he's hurt, he's going to play. Chuck? What I'm surprised, I guess, through just you know a half dozen games or so, like watching the first quarter of that game yesterday, I just kept thinking, why isn't Toronto trying to do something to get these guys out of their offensive rhythm? And then – you know, I've seen that a couple times during some of these games where it looks like an all-star game where everybody kind of gives a half-assed effort for three quarters and then all of a sudden, well, it's fourth quarter, it's time to go play. Why didn't Toronto play like that at the very beginning of this game? I mean, maybe they're trying to figure some things out too. I get that. But, you know, it was just the sequence at the end of the first Phoenix game. Like Kevin Durant, as soon as the three-point goes up, when they're down four, he just turns his back and doesn't look to body anybody Wemby goes right around him, unabated to the rim, gets the dunk, and then Durant, trapped in the corner, no timeout, Keldon steals the ball. It's like some of this stuff just looks weird to me. It just doesn't look like the game that, you know, I've watched my whole life. 
And it's not. You know, and I get, is it, are there rules out there? Like, everybody knows that Wimby could be the next ticket for the league. He could be the next LeBron in terms of marketing, sales, eyes on the product, all that. I mean, are there rules in place to let him get his somewhat to kind of help elevate his stature in the league? Well, uh, it just looks a little odd to me right now. If you talk to the old timers like Sean Elliott, I mean, they'll tell you that's not for Wimby, that's for every player. The defensive rules in place as far as hand checking and physicality and spacing and all that is so different that it is a much more officiated game to encourage offense. Um, But I think it's just the way the game's changed. Everybody's a three-point shooter. The Warriors are to blame for this back in 2015. (laughs) Everybody's a slasher. Everybody, like Steve Kerr told me, there's no way he could make a roster today because of the way the game is played now. You have to be 3D, 6-7, slasher, and be able to shoot the three, defend the fast guys, and, and be an offensive threat, uh, beating people off the dribble. Uh, there's no more specialized players in the NBA, and the rules have made it easier for those guys to get where they want to get. Um, but I think right now everybody's just trying to figure out what the hell he is. Well, I mean, I again, they're, they're, I'm with you. I mean, it's hard to take your eyes off of him. I'm just – I use like Tracy McGrady said this a couple of months ago where he said, look, I see this coming. I've seen it before. The league is trying to anoint the next guy. LeBron's getting older. They need somebody that's going to be the face of the league. He's an international guy. Everything about the guy, you – how can you say anything bad about him? I well, mean, two. he's long, he can shoot, he can defend, he can block shots, all these things, and he's 19 years old. Why wouldn't you try to build this house one brick at a time on the way up? Well, to, to further that point, I don't think there's anything like nefarious or anything like that going on where officiating is trying to help Wemby get more points or anything like that. Otherwise, but... he would have gotten the and one with Drew Eubanks. <laughs> yeah, or he would have been fouled. No, on, I, don't, I, mean, I don't think there's anything well, going on anything with officiating. Like that, but I'm just saying, like... Uh, but to further the point of like them trying to anoint the next one, the game yesterday was because it was an afternoon start that allowed the NBA to air the game live in prime time in 132 countries across Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Like, yeah, they want to get eye- eyeballs on their next superstar. Duh, yeah, there's duh, nothing wrong. Like, with there's that. nothing yeah, wrong with that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't they want everyone to look at Wemby and look at the Spurs and look at? This whole organization that has succeeded so much over the last thirty years. Why wouldn't you want to get eyeballs on that? And that makes total sense. One hundred percent. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a little odd. Just again, the defense that Toronto played yesterday in the second half was much different their totally. intensity than it was in the first half. Yeah, for sure. Why didn't we see that the entire game? Well, and it was like that with the with the Spurs too. The Spurs allowed seventy five points in the second half not including overtime. That's a problem. You feel last 75 points in any half, you're probably going to lose a game. Right. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, that happens. Like, last game of a road trip or a team, and a coach chews them out at halftime, and they play better or whatever. We don't know what we're going to get from the Spurs in Indiana tonight on a back-to-back yet. A lot of That's points. That's just, you know, all these games in the NBA, there, there's – what I pay attention to is the guys in Vegas. The guys in Vegas know something we don't. And otherwise, you know – injuries or you know a team's tired on the road they played five and seven days or whatever and you expect kind of effort that we got out of toronto in the first half yesterday but but then you know obviously they got coached up at halftime and they decided 
to be physical and be aggressive and play harder. Sometimes the guys they in Vegas play, are wrong. They just play hard, but they're close. The guys in Vegas have the line tonight at Spurs plus nine and a half at Indiana. And they're doing that because, A, they're on a back-to-back. B, Keldon's probably not going to play. Devin's probably not going to play. Devin's either. not going to play. So, they, like I said, they know something that a lot of the fans don't. It, the over-under is also 238. I would I would hammer the over in that game. They're going to score 150 points in that thing. Man, I'll tell you what. You're betting on NBA games. No way. You are a gambler. I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't bet at all. Uh, yeah, I sh- yeah, me I either, either, guys. No. Me either. That's Can't do it in Texas anyway. RIP. I, um, I don't bet. So, how important – I wanted to ask, because Devin didn't play last night. He's probably not going to play tonight. He said he might come back for Wednesday. So it, it's a good thing that his groin injury isn't more severe than it yeah, actually is. That's encouraging. It's, it's very encouraging. So, But last night, how much different would that fourth quarter have been probably if, Devin, if Devin was there? Yeah. I mean, like, there's something to be said about taking one of your best guys yeah, off the floor probably your second for best an entire player, game. For sure. You would think that that would at least equate to – a one or two point difference on the scoreboard, right? And that would have been the difference well, in the game at the end of regulation. Especially, excuse me, when he's really the three point threat on your team. Like Kelton, Kelton can shoot a little bit. Wemby can shoot a little bit. Trey can shoot a little bit. But you don't really have that knockdown shooter. Devin's probably your best three point shooter Pop, on the team. Pop said uh, at the podium two nights ago, uh, Devin has been anointed by Pop as their go to guy. Yeah, and as I, he should. Be. He, he said, "I've told Devin." To be more selfish, you're our go-to guy. Now, I don't know if Keldon heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Keldon's having a hell of a start to the season. He is. He's playing good. He's playing so well. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think that Vegas heard that either because uh, his points props, Devin Vassell's points props at the beginning of the year were like 17 and a half, over under 17 and a half. Dude's going to be a 24-point game scorer this year. If you know the points props... I just, Devin Vassell, you might I be a look, gambler. I look at, if you have I, a trouble gambling, call 1-800-2-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-
He does. Is that windy? Yeah. You know, the uh, thing with the flailing yes. arms. She's yes. right. Um, uh, I want to ask the uniform czar question for our next topic awful. here. Yeah, I'm going to set this one so, up. It's <laughs> awful. So the Spurs release, released their um, awful. City Connect jerseys. Who and it's a take on the '68 Hemisphere? Yeah, the Spurs were in Dallas at the time. Yep, and uh, you know they're trying to get back to their roots. They're trying to sell jerseys. Trying to sell jerseys. They have a new court. Awful. Yeah, let's just. I'll give you the floor here, Don. Give me, give me, give me a minute on how bad. Okay, these jerseys are. I get the Hemisphere thing, and I think those were the colors of Hemisphere, and I get some of the design because it was the '60s. It was the late '60s. Retro. But the avocado green. Look, there's no uniform in any sport that looks good with chocolate brown, or suit for that matter. Pink flesh-colored jer- numbers with chocolate brown. Primary font. the The warm ups are entirely chocolate brown with orange. That's like that's like uh, Bill Miller or what's the colors of? It's about to get ugly. You know what? <laughs> the Cleveland Browns are those are horrible. So anyway, the way I put it after seeing that court was, it's a throwback to '68 and Hemisphere, and you got to remember. That psychedelics and hallucinogens were very popular in '68, <laughs> and that looks like the person who designed the court. They should have. They should have left it in '68. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. It's horrible. Some things are not meant to be resurrected, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Bad. Have you guys seen the um, this play-in tournament, which I hate anyway? But the courts bad. that they're playing for the new play-in tournament. Have you seen them, Chuck? I have some not of them? seen the courts. No. They are the, some of the ugliest things I've ever seen. It's like the. It's like you've seen Boise State's turf field, right? Blue field. They're like that, but for every team. You remember the fish that saved Pittsburgh? That movie with Dr. Yes. J? Mm-hmm. Those okay. All right, how about this? I mean, I know that the playing tournament's not getting a lot of love at this point, but what if they, for both conferences, the winner of this playing tournament was automatically given like the 10 seed? I mean, don't you think you'd I see think that would be some interesting. of these younger teams or the teams that were not – playoff teams the year before really put it out there and I think you sell them, out i think you give them the six seat that might be kind of cool too like up the way, yeah get out of there you, you don't have to even have to play in the playing right. tournament if you get, get the six seat. 500k is a nice little boost too i mean to not to guys like lebron yeah. <laughs> no 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 but to a trey jones i mean yeah trey 500K jones is, making is 500k I mean, I'm not sneezing at 500K. If anyone wants to give me any 500K out there, I'll take it. But to these guys, 500K is like a lot, a lot of them, at least. Just chump change. I mean, yeah, make it monetary. That's cool. But I mean, I think if you really wanted to make this into something, I mean, would you be more interested? I think that's. If I would. I would. I think that's actually an interesting take. I think in time, uh, we'll get used to it and it'll be something that people get into. I think it's so confusing right now. Yeah. Like, I've. I was there at the opening day press conference in Vegas and all this stuff, and I, they gave us a handout that was six pages long about how it works. And it was like, there's no way I can explain this to my viewers in 35 seconds. No, absolutely not. So it's 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 weird. I felt like it was kind of sprung on everybody a couple couple days ago when they started it because nobody knew that it started this early in the season. If you're gonna have an in season tournament, have it in like December, January, yeah. something like that. Like do it later in the road. If this is the time to do it because it's football season, you got to try to get some eyes off the NFL because nobody cares about the Nobody's NBA watching until, right now anyway. <laughs> until after the Super Bowl. All right. Well, speaking of the NFL, the Texans. Um, we don't talk about a lot about the Texans on this podcast. 
for good reason. The Texans have been awful for uh, a few years. I mean, ever since J.J. Watt left and, you know, the Matt Schaub years were the uh, best years over there. But I think they found something here, guys. C.J. Stroud went for 470, five touchdowns. I think it was 340 in the second half. Led their team from the depths of despair when when they lost their kicker, Kyami Fairbairn. And then they have 33 kicking it for him. Like that, that team should have lost in 10 different ways yesterday. And instead, they're four and four now and a ch- chance to make the playoffs if you know some people fall by the wayside in the AFC. They might they might have found their new Bill and Brady connection here with, with CJ and D'Amico. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. I mean, they but they looked so bad last week or the last time out. They were really good yesterday. And I think, you know, even watching them the last couple of years, I think we can all agree that they would fight you. They would, you know, even with the two different coaches in two different years, there was always effort. You know, it just looks like, for whatever reason, D'Amico's brought some sort of galvanizing force to this team, or at least a sense of direction going forward. And then it doesn't hurt that C.J. Stroud is, he looks like he's the guy. I mean, it's one thing to go out and do what he did yesterday with the five TDs and throw for almost 500 yards, but the fact that he's not turning the ball over as a rookie, that's pretty unbelievable. And I like, too, you know, it's it's a little different. His press conferences after the game, he doesn't mind throwing out there that he's, a Jesus Christ believer, and every press conference he starts with, and uh, you know, like he just—he was telling the press, you know, little nugget that I picked up from the pastor pregame was is even when things are going bad, you should be thinking about God, and you should be thinking about those things and having those elements in your mind, not just when things are going great, but when they're bad, you should be, you know, asking for a little divine assistance or a little, you know, even just some. A, a spark or an inspiration he's or something. He's yeah. yeah. He is. He's so very I mean, I, I think it's, it's kind of cool that you know he's for a young guy. He seems to be a real man, and I, I just appreciate not only how he's playing, but just as a dude. I mean, that was a that was a good message for me to hear yesterday coming from him, and not what I was expecting in the middle of you know slamming through a day. Yeah. Here's the thing I, about C.J. Stroud that I love is, and that we can tell, and this is what I try to try to tell the Dak lovers. Uh, uh, Cowboy fans like what Dak has done for who Dak is is amazing he was a Mississippi State fourth rounder CJ Stroud is an Ohio State number two overall pick the scouts don't miss on guys when they're coming out of high school to be at Ohio State and play quarterback and then to be the number two overall pick his arm talent is the difference between like for for him and a lot of guys in the league. And then he has the clutch gene, it appears. He's not afraid of the moment. He goes to the guy that he knows he can trust, which right now is Tank Dell. Tank Dell is amazing. And he makes throws that few people can make. Mahomes can make them. Uh, Josh Allen can make them. But he's got – that's why you take him at number two despite his Wonderlick score because you go – Okay, he's not the, you know, he's not a good test taker, but he loves football. He gets football, and oh my gosh, have you seen this kid throw? And that throw that he made to win the game yesterday, not a whole lot of guys make that. And and speaking of, you know, where you're giving kudos out, I mean, they've lost four offensive linemen and somehow cobbled together something that looks halfway decent. Now, they don't run the ball great either, and they've got a really good running back. Yeah, he's he's been out. I mean, again, I think that's. 
again, another reason why you should be saluting C.J. Stroud, too. I mean, yeah. to overcome all that goes along with playing that position, then throw some of these other wrenches into the system. As a rookie, yeah, too. As a yeah. rookie, yep. Yeah. yeah, no, he he performed great. Um, and I think there's just some there's some sort of swagger that D'Amico brings, um, which is why he was such a highly coveted coach this offseason that we all knew he was going to be a, a – well, knew he was going to be a head coach. It was just which job he wanted. And so he goes back to Houston. He brings the identity of the old Texans back. And by old Texans, I mean within the last 10 years when they were making the playoffs and they had Matt Schaub as the quarterback and Andre Johnson was there and they had uh, Arian Foster and all those guys. He's bringing kind of that identity back. And uh, That maniac that played linebacker, what was his name? Brian Cushing. Brian Cushing, <laughs> the USC guy yeah um yeah you talking about when he was like when he had his nose was all busted oh no that was jj his yeah, nose was, was all busted up quit a old linebacker yeah but i just think that that those two together can can be something special i think uh, so and even though they you know the defense did not play well yesterday allowing 37 to a really bad offense in the buccaneers and and um and baker mayfield the team is, is has found something in CJ, and they found something in Tank Dell. They found something in D'Amico Ryan's. I think they're they they're on the upswing for sure. Um, well said. I did see something right now that uh, I want to pull it up again. The leading uh, receivers yesterday in the NFL were CD Lamb, Noah Brown, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, and Tank Dell. <laughs> what do all those guys have in common, guys? Except for Tank Dell, I mean, yeah. Except for the top, fo- except for the bottom one, uh, I'm pretty sure they were all Cowboys at some at point. Some point. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. All it right, is. let's let's uh, go through a, one thing to or halfway thoughts on the NFL. We're halfway through the NFL season. We're gonna run through a couple of topics real quick and get us out of here within the next five minutes. So, who's the, off the top of your guys' head? Who's the best team in the AFC? Halfway through the season, I'll go Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs, but they're, it's not as it's not as the separation's not as big as it was. How much better are the Chiefs than the Dolphins? A touchdown. <laughs> Field See, goal. that's a good answer. Field goal. It's a good answer. Um, I can't believe in the Dolphins on they, a neutral side. They lose. They lose to the best teams in the NFL all the time. Who's the best team in the NFC? Eagles. I'll go with the Eagles. I got to go with the Eagles too. The Lions have proven that they are not ready yet. I think the. Uh, Niners have a lot of issues. So, uh, what team did you not believe in before the season that has changed your mind? Lions. Why? Uh, they're growing. I, I didn't expect them to, to take this big of a leap. I watched their uh, hard knocks a couple years ago and fell in love with their culture. And they're love fun Dan to Campbell. watch. They're, they're, the quarterbacks. Got a bad rap in L.A. He's better than people think. Again, you don't miss on guys with that kind of arm talent. And they've got a running game, too, and the defensive toughness. And they've made some really good draft picks. Aiden Hutchinson's one of the best players in the league. I like them. All right. I'll say the Vikings. I don't think what they have right now is sustainable, obviously, where they have another quarterback go down yesterday. But this is a team I thought wasn't going to win five ball games this year. And they got off to a slow start, but – They've overcome a lot. They've got some really nice young players to go along with some veteran guys, and they just kind of stay the course. I don't, you know, not flashy. It wouldn't be a team that you would think is going to go wreck havoc in the postseason or do any of that. But that's one team to me that just right off the top of my head, I, I, they're a little better than I gave them credit for. I just realized that I haven't been giving my answers. I, I agree with both of you. It's the Chiefs and the, and the Eagles. Uh, 
the team that's made me a believer in them is the is the Ravens. The Ravens no, have yep. trashed people, and Lamar has come out he's, and said, he's been a stud. "Oh, so you guys didn't want me in the offseason when I was trying to get a trade? Well, you know what? I have a new contract, and all you guys are going to see that I'm going to win MVP this year." Like, dude is that's a good one, insane, and their defense is top notch. Like, they look back like the 2000 Ravens right now. Their defense is ridiculous to hold the Seattle to three points, to hold the Lions to six points. Like, that's some that's saying something. Last well, couple and then of weeks. you talked about Lamar. And so yesterday, I think he was 21 of 27 throwing it. No touchdowns, but mm-hmm. they ran for almost 300 yards. So they got a lot going on in Baltimore that looks pretty good. Yeah. What team are you out on now that you were in on at the beginning of the season? Mm. You know, I was kind of thinking the Giants would be pretty good. Like, I didn't think they'd win the division, but I thought they would – they won, what, seven or in a row to end the season last year mm-hmm. to make the playoffs? I thought the Giants would be a much better team, so I'll say the Giants. Okay. And I'll, I'll say the Rams. I thought, okay, they'll be back, you know, in the playoff conversation, but they look like they got a lot of issues right now. Right up off the top, Matthew Stafford's thumb. Yeah, I'll go with the uh, formerly San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Brandon Staley needs to be fired yesterday. Um Justin Herbert has changed my mind on him because I had him being pretty top-notch and that top tier. I think he's kind of fallen by the wayside and his development's suffering a little bit. They're 3-4 and four right now. I think they lose tonight to, to the Jets. Um, so I think they're going to be 3-5 and five, tied with the Denver Broncos for one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I, I, I'm so out on the Chargers, it's not even funny. You know, the, my opinion of them is it always seems like they do just enough to lose. To lose. They're charged every called, week. They're right yeah. there. Got a chance to win, but they don't. It's Have called charger. Okay. It's, it's actually a verb now. They, they go ahead and charger all the time. Um, what team has changed your opinion the most? Well, you said Baltimore. That triggered a lot in my head. I'm going to go with that. Baltimore. Sure. Why not? That sounds good. I'd say Pittsburgh, too. Yep. They flipped it around. I don't, know how, I don't know how they're five and three. I, I really don't, don't. How the hell did Mike Tomlin do it again? It's insane. Right. And then right now, if you had to give the MVP award to one person, who would it be? Taylor Swift. <laughs> Honestly? <laughs> it's not a bad selection. Uh, it's just ask the commissioner who the MVP of the league is. So Tra- MVP. Travis plays a lot better when she's there. So she needs uh, to I, I will go Mahomes slash uh, Lamar. Okay. I'll go with that, too. Not slash Tyreek Hill. Not, I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. It's like I, a non-quarterback, definitely Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is the best weapon in the NFL. He was. He still is. I think you forgot about the kid from A&M playing for the Dolphins, too. Dude, if you AJ, had him on fantasy, like, I know, he single-handedly <laughs> has changed the fortunes of my fantasy team for the worst since he's got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt he's yeah. a home run hitter, yeah. like par excellence. That's fair. That's fair. Um MVP right now, I think I would have to give it to Lamar. Lamar has just played out of his mind, especially the last couple of weeks. But all right, guys, that's all we got for you on this Monday edition of Seekers Cleats Podcast. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five star rating. Tell us, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your grandma. I taught my grandma how to watch the other day. She's watching now. She loves us. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday. As always, it is playoff time in high school football. So we got a lot to talk about then. Till then, everybody have a good week.